Good morning, Christ Walk. How's everybody doing today? Good to be here with you guys this morning. Um, my name is Pastor Blake, and I'm so, so excited to share God's Word with you today. If you've got your Bibles or, or your phone, you want to turn or swipe to Psalm 24, we will land there in just a moment. Psalm is essentially like if you open up your Bible, if you're using one of those old-fashioned paper Bibles, um, you open it up right to the middle, you'll probably land in Psalm. It's the it's in the Old Testament, a bunch of songs and poetry that were written primarily by King David, um, one of the, the most impressive, most accomplished kings of Israel's history. And um, so we're going to land there in Psalm 24 in just a moment as we're going to talk about mighty God today, mighty God. And I'm so excited. But before we jump into that, you know, I, I want to talk a, a little bit about what's going on at the SNAP household. Um, if your house is anything like our house, especially if you have um, younger kids in play, this is a very exciting time of year. Anybody getting ramped up for Christmas? We are just, what, eight days away didn't the Beatles sing a song about that? I don't know. No, that was something totally different. But we are eight days away from Christmas, and my kids are getting so excited. And, and really, um, I was talking to another family here this morning, and they said that their kids, like on December 1st, they just went into like a whole other mode. You know, like you could just, it was like, it was like sharks when there's blood in the water. They could just sense that Christmas is upon us, and typically um, every, every evening, my daughter will ask the same question every night um, since, the, since Thanksgiving, really. She, she's asked, can we watch a family Christmas movie together? And luckily, we have, you know, Hallmark that gives us a bunch of options. You know, some city slicker reconnects with with her high school heartthrob country bumpkin, and you know, it's the same plot. 50 movies, they're all the same, you know. So we'll watch those, or you've got Freeform. Um, the Freeform channel used to be ABC Family, and they do the 25 Days of Christmas, and it's just constant Christmas movies, you know, year-round. And, and we um, just, just a couple nights ago, we celebrated with a Christmas tradition. We watched Home Alone together. One of the greatest Christmas movies ever. But my favorite, I, I, think, I think if I really had to boil it down to just one, if I had to choose one Christmas movie, I would probably land on a Christmas story. A Christmas story. And for, um, I'm, sure, I'm sure that you guys have seen it. Actually, TBS typically on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, they show it 24 hours in a row, back to 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 back. You can go back and listen to that later and see if I actually did it 24 hours. But they show it round the clock, and it's the story of this little boy, Ralphie, and his family. And Ralphie has some great expectations for Christmas. And, and I love how the whole movie, it builds up to Christmas morning and, and he and his mom and dad and his little brother, they're gathered around the tree and Ralphie is opening these gifts and, and he opens up this really big one and, and he's so hopeful and, and everything. And when he opens it up, he realizes that it is a pink bunny onesie footy pajama thing 
And the poor kid, his mom makes him put it on. Like, go try it on. This is from his Aunt Clara. And he comes downstairs, and he's forlorn, and he's all sad and just, you know, defeated. And he's standing there on the steps like this, and he can't believe that he's actually got to put this on. He can't believe that his Aunt Clara got him a pink bunny footy pajama onesie thing. And his dad says, you look like a pink nightmare. Like some kind of deranged Easter bunny. He says, go upstairs and take that off right now. And his mom says, fine, you'll only have to wear it when Aunt Clara comes to visit. See, what he really wanted was a Red Ryder BB gun, right? But you all know what happens when you get a Red Ryder BB gun, right? You shoot your eye out. Yeah. So up to that point, we know that later on in the story, he does, in fact, get his Red Ryder BB gun. But up to that point, he was so disappointed because Christmas did not live up to his expectations. See, have you ever gotten a gift that maybe wasn't what you were hoping for? Anybody? Anybody ever gotten a gift that didn't quite live up to your expectations? Like, have you ever on, like, around the holidays or maybe your birthday or something, you open up the box and you look inside and your first thought is, not even close. Like, do you even know me? Have we met before? You know? And like you, you, you open up this box and maybe, maybe it's like a, like a shirt. And it's like a terrible shirt. Like, like ugly. And you're like, you haven't given me a shirt. You've given me an errand. Like, you're making me go back to the store to take this back and, and try to figure out something here. Look, I'm just going to make it easy on myself. I'm going to swing by Goodwill on my way to work and just drop this off. We'll call it even. Don't even try next year, you know. Have you ever felt that way? Like, it just didn't live up to your expectations. Maybe, maybe you've gotten something from a close family member before, a, a special gift. Maybe it was, it was something like, like a sweater that your mamma knitted for you, and it's got like a big bird on it. You know, like with her, like, but it's, it's bad. You know, the bird only has one wing, and, you know, but, but you, I mean, your mamma knitted it with her bare hands. Like, what do you do? But it's probably not something that, you know, you're going to wear all the time. So you end up just using it once a year at the family reunion. You know, you put it on, and, and you know, you're hoping that maybe mamma's going to lose her eyesight, you know, in her older age, and, and you can pretend that you're wearing the sweater or something, you know, like, and, but it just comes out that one time a year. Or maybe you have that really terrible, like, that really terrible tchotchke or knickknack thing that your, your mother-in-law got you, and you only display it prominently on the coffee table whenever she comes to town, you know, and the rest of the time you... You hide it away. Like There's just things about Christmas and sometimes the gifts that we get, they just don't live up to our expectations. And typically those gifts, when, when something doesn't live up to our expectations, what we do is we push it to the side and it never truly becomes a part of our regular everyday life. See, sometimes the issue is, is that we allow the expectations in our life to turn into limitations on what God is wanting to do. 
And it's this idea that kind of launches, it serves as the springboard for this message series that we're calling, He Shall Be Called. And we get this from this prophecy way back in the Old Testament in the book of Isaiah in chapter 9 of that book. And Isaiah writes, he says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. What an incredible prophecy that is. But when we see this prophecy fulfilled, we discover that the gift, the Messiah, that Jesus Christ, that maybe he didn't quite live up to the expectations of some people. See, Luke chapter 2, it tells the story of the birth of Jesus. So we fast forward a few thousand years from Isaiah till we get to Luke chapter 2 in the New Testament, one of the Gospels, and it starts off there telling the story of a man named Caesar Augustus, and he was the ruler of the Roman Empire at the time of Christ's birth. And in an effort to to prove his his power and authority and, and his influence and reach, he had decided that all of the known world at that time needed to be registered in a census so that they could be taxed and that he could live the kind of lifestyle that he felt like he deserved. And so he's trying to show his power and his clout as king of the world. And so he sends all of these people, including the Jews who were under Roman rule at this time, and they have to go back to their own countries. And so we find Joseph, a simple carpenter, and his espoused wife, Mary, who is pregnant with Jesus Christ, the Messiah. They're having to travel from their home in Nazareth some hundred miles, give or take, to this sleepy little town called Bethlehem to fulfill other Old Testament prophecies that that is where the Messiah would be born. And see, there's really kind of two versions of this story that we think about. The one is, is kind of the Hollywood version. You know, it, it, it depicts Joseph leading a donkey through some rough terrain, and his, his wife Mary is there, and, and she's pregnant, and her water has broken, and she is in the full-on throes of labor, and snow is coming down, and it is 1.30 a.m., and they, they roll up to the Palestinian version of the Motel 6, and even though the sign says no vacancy, Joseph is there knocking frantically upon the door. And the innkeeper is awakened from his sleep. And he comes to the door holding a candle. And he looks at Joseph and he looks at Mary and he shakes his head and he points out into the woods, out into the wilderness. And it is there that they travel to this ramshackle, A frame, wooden stable. And they hole up for the night with some animals, maybe some sheep and some donkeys. And they place Jesus, this newborn infant, in this X-braced wooden feeding trough. And then the the angel comes and the star rests right at the precipice of the roof. And the shepherds come and, and the wise men, who really weren't there until two years later, they show up on the scene, three of them with gold and frankincense and myrrh. And it was at that time that someone miraculously had a camera in their pocket and they snapped that picture and we put it on our Christmas cards and we send it out to everybody. 
as if that's what happened. But chances are that's probably really not what went down. So I hate to burst some of your bubbles, but maybe what you've come to believe all of these years isn't actually what took place. In fact, it was likely that though Mary was pregnant, she was probably not in labor when they traveled to Jerusalem. It would have been a very difficult trip. How many women here would sign up for a 100-mile donkey journey in your ninth month of pregnancy? Anyone? Yeah, I don't, didn't think so. That's not a line we're waiting to get in. You know, ha- had Mary actually been in labor, they probably would not have made the journey. In fact, Joseph took Mary on this journey with the assumption that they were going to stay in Bethlehem for a little bit of time until the baby was delivered. So they're coming up against this time, and they're, they're making this journey. And, and when they arrived in Bethlehem, they probably did not go to the Palestinian Motel 6. Instead, it was probably just a very simple home, and it was likely the home of some of Joseph's relatives. Bethlehem would have been the place where where he was ultimately from. He was of the house, the lineage of royal King David, and he would have gone back to this place and would have had relatives living there. And it would have been part of Jewish custom for relatives to welcome their families into their homes whenever they traveled. They would have actually had a place in an upper room. These these Jewish-style homes are the homes of that time. You would have entered in, there would have been a courtyard of some sort, and then you would have gone upstairs, and the main living area would have been up, elevated off of ground level, and it would have been there that there would have been an additional space prepared for travelers Along their way. And Bethlehem, it's this small, like this one horse town. There was no reason for it to have a big motel. So Joseph would have been dependent upon going to someone's home, likely a family member, and have shown up and expected there to be a place for them to stay. But it seems that someone else, in the midst of all of this traveling and people coming from all over, it seems that maybe he was just a little too late and that someone else had beaten him to the punch and there was no longer room available to them in the house. And this is his family that we're talking about. And so even even though they realize that Mary was, was pregnant, they still say, we don't have room for you here, but all we have is this stable. And the stable was probably like a kind of like a cave. It would have been the house would have been built up next to a cliff for protection, this this kind of rocky wall and and adjacent to the home there would have been this carved out area, this cave, this opening in the rock off to the side of the the main entrance, the courtyard where all of the animals would have been kept. And so Mary and Joseph would have holed up there. And this manger that they placed Jesus in probably wasn't like this X-framed wooden feeding box. Instead, it was probably like a, like a trench carved into the rocky ground that they would have put the feed in for the animals to come and gather around. So that's really a little bit more of the picture that we are seeing whenever this takes place. You know, and, and regardless of how it happened, you know, I wasn't there, so I don't know. Just going based upon my, my um, 
as I've, as I've studied the history and kind of dug through commentaries and what different experts and, and people have said about it, you know, I wasn't, I, I wasn't there, so I don't know, but, but I can kind of understand the innkeeper's reaction. If there was this Palestinian Motel 6, if there was this innkeeper, I can kind of track with him. Like, he's just a businessman, and he can't help it that they were late to the game and that all of the rooms were taken, and he was just doing the best he could, and he knew that there was this stable out here in the middle of nowhere. And so he sent Mary and Joseph there thinking, at least I've done something for them. But, but it's the thing that, I, that, that really bothers me is that if it wasn't this innkeeper and instead it was Joseph going to the home of his family and they still turn him away, that's what gives me the most, like that's the thing that I wrestle with the most in this story. See, they were insiders. They would have known about this prophecy. They would have have been expecting the Messiah to show up in the lineage of David, to be born in Bethlehem. They would have known that these things were going to happen. They would have been seeking the Messiah, and he was right there in front of their noses. But they didn't recognize him because a baby wasn't what they expected. Because there's no way that a baby can be wonderful counselor. There's no way that a baby can be mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. There's nothing about a baby that communicates the idea that mighty God has arrived on the scene. It wasn't what they expected. And then we get to Psalm 24, and Psalm 24 reads this way. David is writing, and many scholars believe that this is actually a prophecy or or an idea that is pointing towards the Advent season, the arrival of the baby Jesus. And it reads like this, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For he founded it on the seas and he established it on the waters. Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god. They will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God their Savior. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, God of Jacob. All right, so that begs the question like, Seeking, someone is seeking something. We are to be seeking after something. What or who are we looking for? And, and David, he, he tells us in this last half of this passage, starting with verse seven, he says, lift up your heads, you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Well, who is this king of glory? It's the Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, you gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is he, this king of glory? The Lord Almighty, he is the king of glory. And the king of glory had come that day to that residence there in Bethlehem, but it wasn't what they expected. Mighty God was standing right in front of them, but rather than welcome them into their home, welcome them into their everyday lives, they relegated him to the manger. They pushed him off 
to the side. They said, you can come in, but all we have for you essentially is the basement. See, they allowed their expectation to become a limitation. And I think some of us have done that too. I think that we've allowed the expectations that we have in our life of who Jesus is and and what he is supposed to do, we've allowed that to become a limitation that that instead instead of opening up the opportunity for him to work in and through us, we actually close down and limit what he is able to do. Don't get me wrong. I hear what you're saying. Like, I know you got issues that are way bigger than a little baby can deal with. Okay, like that's not escaping me. And yes, this Christmas story, it is all about a baby, but it's not an ordinary baby. That baby is the king of glory. That baby is the mighty God. And even as a baby, these little golden fleece diapers, little eight pounds, six ounce newborn baby Jesus, little balled up fist, don't even know a word yet. It was in that moment that he was mighty God, come to bring life and hope and glory to the world. And we cannot, in this Christmas season, allow our expectations of who the Christ child is supposed to be and what the Christ child is supposed to do become a limitation on God's ability to work in our life. Maybe some of you are here and you're like, man, I don't even, I'm not even sure what I think about all of this Jesus stuff, all of, about all this Messiah stuff, about, about all this Bible stuff. Well, my question to you would be, if you really stop to think about it, would your life be any worse if this Christmas season, if you just tried something different for once, would your life be any worse if you were to open your heart to the King of glory today? Maybe you should give it a try and you might find that it just may work out for you. But who I really want to talk to here is a lot of us in this room, we're the insiders. We're like Joseph's family. We, we know what's going on. We, we, we claim to be believers in this Messiah. We've welcomed Jesus into our lives and we feel really good about ourselves in the process. But the problem is, is that for many of us, we've welcomed him into our lives, but we've relegated him to the basement. We've pushed him off to the side. We've compartmentalized things to where Jesus only comes into play on Sunday morning when we're at church or or when the pastor is around or when we need to put on that facade to really impress somebody. But we haven't given him full access in our lives. And then we wonder why our marriage is in a wreck. And we wonder why our finances are in ruin. We wonder why our children are disobedient and disrespectful. We wonder why we're bogged down by addictions and why we're gripped by fear and why we aren't making any progress with our life, why we can't find purpose and fulfillment. We wonder why all of this is happening. We wonder why it's one thing after another continuing to go wrong and wrong and wrong and we're being crushed beneath the weight of our lives and we just can't seem to find a way out. And we wonder that because we would say, we've welcomed Jesus in. But the truth of the matter is, yes, maybe we have. Maybe we've identified ourselves with Jesus, but only when it's convenient for us. 
because we haven't given him full access. We haven't given him complete control. Instead, we've pushed him over to the side and said, yeah, you can come in as long as you stay right here. I got this taken care of over here. See, maybe it's time you and I quit allowing our expectations to create limitations in our life. Maybe we need to quit looking at Jesus like he's a cute little baby and instead see him for what he truly is. He is the king of glory. He is the Lord Almighty. He is strong in battle. And even as a little baby, he was there and he had come into the world to fight on your behalf. See, maybe instead of relegating him over there to the side, we need to fling wide the gates and throw open the doors and allow the king of glory to come in and take control. We cannot let our expectations turn into limitations. So my question is for us today, what would happen if we began to live this way? What would happen if if we pushed expectation to the side, if we took off the limits? What would happen if we lived our lives in such a way that the gates were lifted up, that the doors were open, and we welcomed in the king of glory, and we gave him full access, complete control? What could mighty God do to get our finances back on track? What could could mighty God do to bring reconciliation and restoration in our marriages? What could mighty God do to draw our children back into a right relationship with him? Or to loosen the control of addiction in our life? To replace all our fears instead with peace and confidence? What would mighty God do if we welcomed him into our neighborhoods and into our community What would mighty God do if Christ's walk became a place where the doors were flung wide open, where the gates were lifted up, and mighty God was invited in to be here in the midst of us? What could mighty God do in your life and in my life if we stopped letting our expectations become limitations? See, call me crazy, and a lot of you probably do, But I just happen to believe that mighty God is able. That even as a little baby, that he was then and still is now able. That whatever situation we've got going on, anything that you and I are now facing or could ever face in our entire life, that even as the Christ child, this little infant that Mary held in her arms, that even then he is and was able to do far above anything that we could ever ask or think or imagine. If I have anything to do with it, Christ Walk Church is going to be a house that operates according to the principles of Psalm 24. We are going to be a place that flings open the doors and raises up the gates and says, mighty God, come in and have control. This isn't about us. This is about you. And we want to put you, we want to give you full access. Every nook, every cranny, every backstage, front stage, up, down, left, right, everywhere in between. This is all about you and what you're wanting to do in and through us. So come in, mighty God, and be with us. And what I want to know this morning is that if you're on board with that, would you stand with me? If you're on board 
with Christ's walk being a place where mighty God is welcomed in.